Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. We're talking today about curve benders, the intersection of future of work and strategic relationships. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. Our work includes assisting leaders in identifying disruptive trends and developing strategies to transform themselves and their organizations to thrive now and in the future. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted that our show guest today is David Noor. David is a senior leadership and board advisor, researcher, executive educator, and best-selling author. He's internationally recognized as the leading expert on application of strategic relationships in profitable growth, sustained innovation, and lasting change. He's the author of 10 books, including bestsellers, Relationship Economics, and Co-Creating, as well as the forthcoming Curve Benders. David serves as a trusted advisor to global clients and a coach to corporate leaders. He was born in Iran and immigrated to the U.S. as a teenager with $100, limited family ties, and no fluency in English. For most people and businesses, growth is linear. But some relationships can dramatically change our direction and ultimate destination. These are the curve benders. How do strategic business relationships enable business model innovation? How do unplanned events such as COVID-19 become an impetus to rethink, reimagine, if not reinvent key parts of your business? How is agile alignment critical for leaders to balance speed and agility with patience to make best decisions possible with their available data, often limited data? David joins the program today to discuss these pressing questions leaders are facing in a rapidly changing environment. So, David, thank you so much for joining us. Let's start with, is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners about yourself before we jump into the conversation about Curvebender? So, no, that's very kind of you. Thanks thanks for the uh, kind introduction. And uh, I need more friends like you in my life with that intro. You are way too kind. So, so I want to get into the concept of curve benders. I realize that you've already written 10 books. This is upcoming. And with all of the topics you could have focused on right now, tell us a little bit more about what is curve bending and why is it so important to you? Sure. So as you were kind enough to mention, uh, this will be book number 11. Uh, early on, uh, I wrote Relationship Economics, uh, which really focused on how to become more intentional, how to be more strategic and more quantifiable in the relationships you kind of we all choose to invest in. In Co-Create, more recently, I wrote about the application of relationships and innovation and innovative products, services, business models, go-to-market strategies. Maureen, as you know, I've been a student of business relationships for 20 years, and as I, on a completely personal note, I'm 52. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of future of work, right? So in the next, if I want to work another 20 years, what will the future of the way I initially thought about work look like? And how will I, how can I remain relevant with all that I believe will come our way? So we embarked on this journey to research. We've identified 15 forces that we believe will dramatically impact and change the way we work, the way we live, the way we, I say, play and give, uh, and to remain relevant, we're all going to have to be on this growth trajectory, right? So think of how many of us weren't as familiar with Zoom before this, this global pandemic. So as you learn, uh, I believe certain relationships come into our lives that change that linear growth 
to a nonlinear growth. So it takes you from a steady as you go, 45-degree angle growth, I'm doing fine, to, oh, my gosh, now look at my life, look at what I'm able to accomplish, more like a hockey stick. And the more we learn, the more relevant we become, the more valuable we become. Great point. The more we learn, the more relevant we become. And I love that we're having this conversation today because, as you point out, uh, many of us have shifted. I am actually today in the process of reworking a college course that I'm delivering for adult learners next week. And it is an expansion of what I had done before and I think a much better product, but it is it is certainly moving me along the learning curve. So you mentioned 15 characteristics. Can you give us a, a few of what those are just so our listeners can get a sense of what you might be referencing? Oh, sure. So uh, six. I had six uh, grad students do social science research uh, for me for this book. And Maureen, one of the things that's always dangerous about writing about future of work is that you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to be in the predicting business. You want to look at current trends. You want to look at current what's happening and really connect the dots with, with longitudinal studies. And you want to make sure that's data driven. So we looked at things like, you know, our technology, everybody believes that this technology is going to continue advance and accelerate pace. We looked at, uh, interestingly enough, grit. We looked at it were your relationship strategies. We looked at some of the more painful topics like haves versus have-nots, geopolitics. Un- uh, interestingly enough, uh, one of the 15 forces is black swan events, which is this whole COVID-19 global pandemic, which is we know what they are. We know they're going to happen. We just don't know when they're going to happen. And when they do, they have massive economic and societal impact. Uh, as again, as big as this one has, and all of these things are forces, like I said, that uh, are going to force us to continue to change and learn and adapt, not just who we are and what we can accomplish, but in essence, who we become, and and uh, really reshifting, recalibrating our priorities, and really thinking differently about, uh, again, the way we work, the way we live, uh, the way we get out and play and and blow steam. And of course, the way we serve others, we give to others. You know, I think it's a really prescient point right now that we're not just changing how we work as in I'm using Zoom instead of showing up in meetings. It requires me to really shift how I think about how I interact with others. What value do I bring going forward that is slightly different to, to significantly different? What's my role in society with regard to haves and have-nots? Uh, right now, we're in the midst, I realize this is a pre-record, we're in the midst of the riots for George Floyd. And that seems to be a result of, of many things, but long-standing systemic issues well beyond this one individual. But the Rodney King riots of 35 years ago or so, it is disappointing that we haven't dealt with some of the systemic issues as a society, and it seems like there is some piling on. And to your point, if we step back and really rethink some of these complex issues, we will be a different society in 20 years when you retire. And you're exactly right. And I've always, uh, I've always thought, Believe it or not, there's no new challenges, right? There's no new obstacles in our lives. The only new challenges are the ones that you haven't thought of. And and one of the best ways I know how to address the unknowns in my life is through my portfolio of relationships. And you're right. I, I was, at the time of this recording, I was incredibly saddened by just the events, right? The senseless, this tragic death of blacks in our country has to stop, Right. And, and, and I've always believed that peaceful and, and resolute objections to injustices that we see or degradation of human rights, those are all you know, cornerstones of our democracy. That part's really important. What I think is really challenging is that we have to get better than just hashtags and heartbreaks, right? So 
I, I reached out. I literally reached out to a handful of black friends, and I said, I, I, I'm struggling with how to feel. I don't know what questions to ask. Help me better understand um, what's happening here and how does peaceful protesting of injustice, you know, goes sideways and opportunistic types and, and those that are just there to destroy turn them into riots and looting and destruction. And so it's just a, you know, relationships become a phenomenal learning and growth opportunity for us because everybody, you know, brings a different lens, different perspective to that exact same challenge, that exact same scenario. I love that you are leveraging relationships to help shape that conversation because especially as we're coming out of the COVID lockdown and people around the globe are having these same challenges, for many people, loneliness has become a significant issue and folks are navigating it in Zoom cocktails and other things. (laughs) Um, it, it seems to be a very timely message that strategic relationships are absolutely foundational to our business success, to our leadership success, but also to our uh, physical and emotional health. You, you, you're exactly right. So when the global economy shut down, and, and you and I talked about this, I was on the road 208 days last year, right? So as, as Goodness. the travel dropped off and... I used to say back in the good old days of February 2020 when we used to fly around, right? <laughs> right after mm-hmm. that, when we all got grounded, you know, I saw that, that it was going to be very, a couple of things. Number one, forget work-life balance. As we've all experienced recently, it's become work-life blending, right? So yeah. with everybody, you know, with all of us working from home and, and trying to figure out how do I deal with my professional kind of role and, and yet deal with my personal obligations. And that, that's been, if, interestingly enough, has created a much broader understanding when you see people's kids and dogs on, on Zoom calls and, and, and they're in T-shirt and shorts versus the suits we all you know, used to wear, right? So, so one, I think our, our sense of empathy dramatically increases when we're in a, in a challenging environment like this together, number one. Number two, as human beings, we have this very much a tactile need. We need touch. We need to be able to inter- interact and interface with others. So interestingly enough, in, in our neighborhood, I have a, a front porch and uh, a, a good colleague, friend, who happens to be a chief of robotic surgery at one of the health systems in town, was walking by and just, you know, we started talking. It's good to see you. And, hey, we'd love to catch up in more detail. And we literally just very serendipitously started having you know, this wine and cheese is socially distant in my front porch. And, and what I've done is it, it, that went so well, and it was so great to catch up with him. And by the way, get his lens, uh, brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant surgeon, right in the healthcare field, get his lens on what was happening with the pandemic, that I started doing that on a regular basis. So I would I'd invite people to my home, and there's a circular driveway parked there, again, socially distant, but let's connect, and let's see each other, and let's find a way to to re-engage, and because we need that. And, and your relationships become an incredible source of insights and learning and growth for, for you. You know, it's interesting. Our neighborhood, uh, one of the neighbors, there's a park right by us, set out a fire pit, and same thing, socially distant. And we're, yeah. uh, while we may not be ethnically diverse, we are certainly diverse in our points of view. And so it's fascinating to have these conversations where people have just completely differing points of view, and yet we're everyone's sitting out with a cocktail and uh, sitting around a fire and finding a, a relatively coherent way to, to interact around community issues where we differ. And, 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 and you, you bring up a great point. I've always believed, you know, we talk about uh, diversity in terms of ethnic and gender. One of the attributes that, that we've uncovered, uh, and, I, and I write about in, in Curve Vendors, is, is the incredible value of diversity of thought. So cognitive mm-hmm. diversity is really the cognitive diversity is really the antithesis to groupthink. And 
you're surrounding yourself with everybody who looks and feels and acts and just like you do, and, and that's where you get blinders on. So actually surrounding yourself and making sure you get data points from a diverse group of uh, friends, relationships that you like, you respect, you trust, mm-hmm. and just come out of it from, you know, come at the exact same challenge as I said earlier with very different lenses, broadens your horizons. By the way, you, you know, you brought up riots. I think one of the things that unfortunately we've gotten away from is civil discourse. You and I may not yeah. agree, but we have to find ways to disagree and still remain friends. And, and you know, you look at scenarios differently and be willing to be wrong. The other thing that, that we somehow shame our relationships into is, or other people into is, you know, you change your mind, suddenly we call you a flip-flopper versus, no, I took in more information I looked at it more holistically, and I've changed my mind. And we've got to make sure that's okay. And people are able to do that because that's how we evolve. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. Yeah, I love the idea that learning and growing doesn't make you a flip-flopper. Now, there are people who just don't have a clear point of view. But for many of us, it means I'm enhancing my thinking process. That's That's exactly right. So we have about one minute left in this segment. Is there anything you want our listeners to be thinking about during this first break? What question would you like to ask them to reflect on? Yeah, I, I, want, I want your audience to really think about the mobile app ways. And by that, I mean, if you've, if you've driven through traffic, uh, you, you probably know of Google Maps or Waze. Uh, Maureen, I've lived in Atlanta for a whole bunch of years. And sometimes Waze takes me a completely different direction. Yep. But when I come out the other end, but when I come out the other end, I've just avoided all kinds of traffic. So if you can't predict, that's my question of your audience. If you can't predict your future, how can you plan for it? How can you begin to really think about your journey from now to next and what has to happen, what relationships you need to really accelerate your ability to transform? Beautiful. Thank you. We will be right back. You are listening to David Knorr and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about curve benders. Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You're with Maureen Metcalf and David Knorr, and we're talking about curve benders, the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. So before we went on break, David suggested that we think about the the app that many of us used to drive back when we were able to drive, um, Waze or Google Maps, and how we go different directions, and how those slight changes can help us see things differently. So, um, 
since we can't ask you what you thought of differently, we're going to move back into our conversation. But I do want to acknowledge that every time we have a conversation with someone outside of our norm, it's an opportunity to slightly modify how we're seeing the world. And so, David, you've had 60 plus conversations with senior executives in the last few months. Um, How do you see coronavirus as one of the forces that you describe in curve benders based on those conversations? Sure. So uh, I've always believed, and we actually proved it with our research, that uh, a really strong economy, Maureen, tends to hide a lot of organizational flaws and leadership shortcomings. Right. When everything is going well, why should we think about or do anything differently? The minute that the global economy shut down back in March, a lot of corporate strategies became obsolete. A lot of you know demand went away. And what happens is you really start to identify flaws in business models, much more importantly, flaws in, not necessarily flaws, really shortcomings in, uh, in leadership. And by that I mean you found, you know, a lot of leaders either found themselves in a personal and professional slump or... You know, they saw, you know, an impetus. They saw COVID-19 as an impetus to really rethink, reimagine, reinvent parts of their business. So beyond the initial, and I've had over, you know, 100 executive conversations just the last few months. And, you know, early on, it was a lot of the shock of, you know, the supply shock went away, then the demand shock. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, beyond the initial shock, you know, more and more conversations have led to COVID being less of, a beginning, middle, and an end, and more of something we're going to have to live with. And a lot mm-hmm. of executives kind of related to almost like post 9-11, right? We learned about TSA, and we learned how to travel differently, and we learned, you know, our security and our privacy in some ways changed. And likewise, as we struggled to really think about getting our employees back to work in a safe manner, um, I think our personal health and safety uh, you know, becomes a lot more front and center. One of the interesting insights that, that we captured was in lessons from COVID was, you know, the level of productivity that, that teams and organizations were able to extract working from home. One executive said, you know, I've got 1,200 engineers. We're all working from home. We're in the 90% uh, productivity range. The highest we're able to ever capture at the office was in the 70s. Why? Because they're not spending 90 minutes commuting, right? They're not having, you know, useless meetings, and, and they're up early, middle of the day, they may be taking care of their families, but you know what? They're back online, and they're getting more work done. So, so learning to adapt and solving the other challenge was, and the other opportunity is, really, as I said earlier, leveraging the relationships to overcome obstacles. One of the challenges with large organizations is, unfortunately, the right arm has no idea what the left arm is doing. And you've got a lot of kind of repetitive, if not redundant, path. And a lot of, you know, people reinventing the wheel. Well, now, because we're not all together, right, people are actually reaching out with not solutions or explanations, but with questions. And the brilliant part about creating an environment of inquiry is you start to build a culture of experimentation. And you start to test new ideas. And you start to build. And by the way, COVID has become a fantastic um, uh, forgiveness. It's like a lot of the market is more forgiving. A lot more leaders are forgiving. What a phenomenal sandbox to test new ideas and leverage your relationships to rethink about different parts of what's happening. So some really exciting nuggets are coming out of our research in writing code curve vendors about the incredible power of relationships in transforming our lives and our roles and our paths forward, not just keep sticking with the same transactional look at job descriptions and performance reviews and the same things we've been doing for years. It is phenomenal, this idea that I've heard from so many people that they've made years worth of change in a couple of months, part being work (laughs) from home. I also work a lot in the medical industry and the telemedicine changes and they they came online because they had to right they yeah 
I spoke with one chief marketing officer of a, a health field client. They've, they've been pushing and they've been talking about telemedicine for about six years. He said in six days, CMS right changed their rules and codes about accepting you know, reimbursement, and in six days, they were able to deploy seventy some odd systems across the country. Which, for me now makes medicine more accessible to people who are sick and don't have, in some cases, cars or the ability to get to hospitals in the way that you and I do, or the the ability to get to specialists. Now, I understand if you need to be hospitalized, you still have to show up. But there's a lot that can be done remotely that, that... takes away barriers, and that gets back to one of the things you mentioned up front, the haves and have-nots, that it starts to equalize people, assuming no, they no, can no, afford no, a computer. Sure. No question. No question. And, and, and the advancement, and, and that research also shows that the advancement of technology absolutely creates the potential for closing that gap. Here's the challenge. Uh, as you and I have seen it, uh, what technology cannot do is really make up for flawed business models. And I would submit to you that certainly in the U.S., a number of health systems, because they've been neglected, because they've been poorly managed, because they've been uh, abused in some ways, the business model is in real trouble. And, and one of the things that uh, we certainly see is that it's never been more challenging time to lead. It's also never been easier to blame external factors for problems of our own making. So mm-hmm. if your business model is flawed, if you're neglected, you know, nurturing, in essence, your business model, now that the economy has shrunk, now that we've got some challenges, now that we have to really set ourselves apart uh, from a lot of competitive peers, this is the time for really forward-thinking leadership to shine, as I said, and how will you rethink, reimagine, reinvent, really look at your own personal S-curve and look at what I refer to in Curve Vendor's book as refraction points for really net new growth opportunities. So you hit something that I think is really relevant, that during times of growth, a lot of things get glossed over. Poor Mm. business models, the kind of leadership that passes as okay or good is very different in times of economic prosperity than times of of crisis. The the ability to, to have the difficult conversations, to make decisions without full information, that, that I'm having to collaborate and shift quickly how I think about things and then bring people on board, those aren't as required as we're, as we're doing well as when we're uh, spiraling downward. You're exactly right. So, again, uh, early, late February, early March, we embarked on, uh, with several colleagues, on this global research project around what we called crisis uh, resilience. And, okay. and, Maureen, I was really curious. I was really curious about um, this idea that we've since seen it really materialized that, that we call COVID tailwind. So if you think about it, certain industry sectors uh, are actually have benefited from this global pandemic. They've, they've, Mm -hmm. you know, Zoom comes, Zoom comes to mind, right? Amazon comes to mind, right? A lot of these organizations that had the infrastructure or quickly moved to really elevate their value proposition and, and really make it easy for us to embrace and engage them. So I was always, I was really curious in, in this research about, you know, what companies were thriving in midst of mm-hmm. business, but everybody else was experiencing this crisis. And more, much more importantly, why? So, so we came up with, you know, a handful of these attributes. Let me just, let me just you know, run through a couple of them with you that I think might yeah. be useful to your audience. Number one was foresight. So, and, and, a, and a leader, uh, a team, an organization's ability to think ahead, to anticipate, uh, disruptions, disruptions to supply chain, disruptions to demand, 
you know, nobody saw this. And, and if I, you know, most executives I speak to, if I told them that a, a market or a lab, depending on how you look at it, in Wuhan, China, would shut down the global economy, they'd think I'm crazy. But the, the speed in which this thing took off really truly created a shock. Well, how, how much foresight did you have or did you anticipate that, that a major disruption could, not a competitor, but a market, an environmental and economic disruption could dramatically upend your business? Number two, roadmap. The whole waste conversation was, did you have a contingency? Did you have continuity? Did you have emergency planning? I talked to one executive who, I kid you not, had to send a 1,000 employees to work from home, and they figured out that 800 of them were using desktop computers that were plugged into their physical network. So, you know, they, they clearly weren't prepared, right, to send, yeah. you know, with laptops and, and, and VPNs, send these people to work from home. Confident. How confident were you in your capabilities in the midst of the storm? Right? That often comes from preparedness. Ownership. Who owns? Right? In the organization, who's the appropriate owner for creating and really creating awareness and driving action amidst that storm? Agility. You know, we've been talking about speed and agility for years. This brought it front and center. Right? Pivoting. Your ability to actually, you know, maneuver. How strong is your balance sheet? How strong are your capabilities? Your labor flex. Can we reskill, upskill your talent to think differently? So those are all the attributes we came up with that, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think it should really create a, a really strong navigation for us to think about the next pandemic, because most executives believe the next one will come, and hopefully through this last one, we're more prepared for it. So in Curve Benders, do you talk about and help people walk through how to navigate this kind of disruption, or is that your next book? No, no. There's a reason you like me as much as you do. No, I actually <laughs> create, I, I, I create a roadmap. Yeah, I, I, I deeply believe in this idea that, that first and foremost, there's, there's one thing I've learned over the years is that relationships are not between buildings or logos. They're between individuals. So, so I absolutely create uh, a roadmap for you, kind of, again, this journey from now to next. Uh, and it's neither a personal or professional one, it's the fused one. So, and a roadmap that's got to evolve, and not just business or personal, but a much more holistic approach. It focuses on the person, uh, whereas, I, you know, the 15 forces are more of a macro uh, impact in your life. This, this idea of, of, Blending your personal roles and professional, you know, your, your, your professional roles and personal obligations really creates a much more uh, a, a micro level. So, so the, the idea of a roadmap that says, okay, start mapping out your journey from now to next. That's what I call it. And, you know, what would that look like in terms of role and responsibilities and skills and capabilities gap? And what do you need to learn? Who do you need to, you know, what are the capabilities, skills, knowledge, behaviors you want to acquire, you want to develop, you want to fine-tune? Much more importantly, I force you to take a really candid look at what I believe is your biggest asset, which is your portfolio of relationships. How authentic? How strong? How, where's the depth? Where's the relevancy? Where and how are you growing through your relationships? So I ask a whole bunch of questions, and in that process, yeah, you build a roadmap. So it, we've only got a couple more minutes in this segment. It, it sounds like Curvebenders and your other book, so you call this your Star Wars trilogy on relationship economics and co-creating, really focus on, and Curvebenders brings home that focus on strategic relationships as one of the key foundations for enabling people to create the roadmap. You're exactly right. And again, I want to I want to give the audience just a, a, a an analogy. You know, we all certainly understand enterprise value, right? Certain things companies do dramatically increase their enterprise value. What I'm really curious about, and what I really want to convey with curve vendors, is what has to happen for you to dramatically increase your personal value. As I said earlier, I believe that is your ability to learn your ability to adapt, your ability to become a deep generalist. So your relationships are often an incredible and often transformative engine 
and a nonlinear growth engine in that journey. So you're exactly right. Relationship economics, co-create, curve vendors, really set the stage for beyond day-to-day contacts, your deep, meaningful, strategic relationships really are not only your biggest asset, but they're the rocket boosters attached to you to get you into that incredibly new height. So as we go on break, then I encourage our listeners to think about one or two of your most precious relationships and how you can use those to boost yourself and how you also give back based on those relationships. We'll be right back. This is Maureen Metcalf and David Knorr, and we're talking about David's upcoming book, Curve Benders, The Intersection of the Future of Work and Strategic Relationships. Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You are with Maureen Metcalf and David Knorr, and we are talking about curve benders, the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. In our last segment, David, I want to make sure that we offer our listeners some very practical guidance based on the the ideas that you talked about earlier, one being uh, having foresight that now that we've had this pandemic, and you talked about in, in the early on segment, the idea of black swans, that things will happen, whether it's a pandemic or a riot or who knows, locusts or something. Um, we actually are seeing locusts in India now. So it seems like uh, we happen to be at a point in history where leaders are faced with unplanned crises. So you talked mm-hmm. about the roadmap and and identifying those strategic relationships. What else or how do we build on that that is concrete that, that listeners can do? Sure. So... Uh, again, I want to go back to the Waze app that we talked about, right? So ways, for Waze to become effective, for any navigation to be effective, you need a starting point and some sort of ending point, right? That's the journey I often tell clients or tell, you know, people like coach or executives that I work with is you have to get it a lot more crystal clear with the, with the available data that you have, right? None of, us have a crystal, none of us have a crystal ball, but have some vision about here's where we're going you know, with a high degree of confidence, here's how we're going to get there. And by definition, here are really the priorities we're going to focus on. Now, we do that for our organizations, but Maureen, I'm always mesmerized that we don't do that for ourselves, right? So mm-hmm. in, this, in this journey of now to next, here's where I'm going. Here's what I like to be doing, right? Here's what really brings me joy. Here's how I'm going to define, if not redefine success. Here's, you know, in that journey, 
the very next thing I often coach people to do is sit down and make a list. Make a list of your most valuable, most strategic relationships, most relevant relationships. Who are you learning? If we're all products of the advice we take, who are you listening to? Who are you getting insights from? Who is that inner circle? Where, you know, athletes and entertainers and right, politicians, and they have this inner circle of their most trusted kind of you know, minds, right? Most, most respected sources for insights. Why not you? Why not me? So start making a list of who's that inner circle? Who's my personal board of advisors that can provide that guidance? The next question I ask is, okay, in thinking about your industry, in thinking about your direction, who are those relationships that, and again, we call them signal scouts, that are really on the edge of your industry that can bring you what I call faint market signals, so if you and I talk and you tell me about something, I'm thinking, okay, that's interesting. If I hear the same thing from somebody else, I'm going to say, okay, now there's two people talking about it. And now if I hear from a two, three other sources, now I'm thinking there's something there. So what you really want is you want these relationships on the fringe that really identify these faint, again, market signals that then you bring back, right? So there's a trend where if I can't physically get on a plane and get on a stage or be in front of a group of leaders, I better figure out how to deliver my value without physical proximity. Great. I know now I need to learn about digital whiteboards. Or we need to take a little higher. We need to create an innovation committee on our board because, or a disruption committee on our board. And their whole mandate is not just nom and gov, but it's really identifying opportunities that we're going to get disrupted. And what should that look like? So if you have the past, if you have some inclination of how you'll get there, as I said, relationships can become incredible sources, almost like a radar, early signals. You create an engine to capture those, synthesize them, and then do something about it. What do I need to learn? Who can I go to to really collaborate on this? Where can I go test some potential ideas? Who else can I work with that I can learn from around this topic? That learning and growth, I believe, deeply, will be our lifeline, not just with this next pandemic, but almost any other disruption that could come our way. So you just said something that I think is foundational. Learning and growth are our lifeline. And much of that happens through our relationships so who is it? And I extend relationships to the people I directly interact with, but sources. So McKinsey is one of my relationships, even though I haven't worked for McKinsey. That's certainly a source of, of signals and good information. Is that, am I reading that properly? You're, you're, you're on the right track. So McKinsey, as an, as an engine, as an entity, produces a lot of great thought leadership, right? That's fantastic. Yeah. And you and I can read their position papers. That's still a little passive. So my, my coaching, my counsel to you would be, could you go meet? Could you go identify through your existing relationships a partner at McKinsey that could bring that position paper to life? Or can hmm. you go work with and can you go work with an executive who's using McKinsey to implement what they talk about in that position paper? Because you and I both know it's one thing to write a paper about it, and it's something very different to try to implement those ideas. So most executives you and I know read, and that's a fantastic starting place, but it's passive. What relationships Actually, do is bring those insights to life. You know what we did? I, I facilitate a CEO group, so like a Vistage group. And we sure. took one of the McKinsey papers and used that in our last session where we talked about what, and this was a me, or quickly post-pandemic, how do you clean up your balance sheet and make sure you're mm-hmm. as healthy as possible? And then how do you look at that pivot and roadmap? So interestingly, we did use relationships to explore it beyond a book group. And I love that. And probably what you saw in your CEO group is different executives who had come to that conversation from very different walks of life brought very different perspectives to the table, right? And they may all be struggling with the same idea. We need to clean our balance sheet. 
But because they bring different experiences, they bring that content and context to life. And that is invaluable learning. And different ones were in different spaces. So one of the chemical manufacturers had a very different experience of this than one of the people who runs a company that uh, produces shipping software. So they're going gangbusters. The chemical guys are dealing with supply chain disruptions. That's exactly right. And what you're, and, and the other thing we noticed in that scenario, we call adaptive learning, is we actually learn more about our own challenges and opportunities by looking at somebody else's problem. And when we provide insights or ask, often ask questions, appreciative inquiry, right? We ask questions mm-hmm. about their scenario, and the light bulb goes off, wait a minute, why am I not doing that? Why am I not looking at that part of my own business? Why am I not, you know, why am I struggling with that part of my business where I just gave the person an answer that would be very relevant to me as well? Yeah. (laughs) Easier to solve your problems than my own some days. That's exactly right. So I love that idea then that our executives can use these executive forums and executive groups in a confidential way to help them create the roadmaps and that those relationships are part of their inventory of strategic relationships. You're exactly right. And I would, I would highly emphasize what you said in a confidential way. So Amy Edmondson at Harvard business school is one of my, one of my favorite professors, authors. And and she often talks about creating, uh, you know, a, a, a safe space, a psychological, you know, her book, Fearless Organization, talks about creating that psychological safety. And in my experience, leaders need that. Leaders need an environment where they're not going to get judged because no CEO you and I know are going to raise their hands and say, I don't know how to do that. Whereas that's exactly what they need to do with their relationships. Mm-hmm. They, like, they like, they trust, and they respect. It's okay to say, and in the book I talk about, we have to destigmatize right candor and vulnerability, and failure. Because if we don't ask questions, we're likely to go down this path, and millions of dollars later, right, it could have all been prevented. And as the executive, rightfully, the people who work for me are looking to me to have answers. And so there's a a delicate balance of being vulnerable and real and sharing my deepest concerns and that I don't know something. Absolutely. But we also need to shift that mindset, right? The days of CEOs being the, you know, knight in shining armor. Alan Mulally is one of my favorite examples of that scenario at Boeing corporate. And when Bill Ford asked him to run Ford, he'd walked into Ford and people would look to him as answers. It's like, I, I don't know, but let's find somebody that does. And again, it goes, it's a testament to your power of, of the diversity and the quality of your relationships because none of us can have all the answers, particularly when we're talking about future of work. None of us can have all the answers. None of us can afford to make all the mistakes ourselves. What a phenomenal opportunity to learn from others how to quickly adapt and pivot and move and do it in a really efficient manner. So that's a brilliant insight. So as we are coming closer to our close, we're going to close in about four and a half minutes. What do you want to make sure that our listeners absolutely walk away with? What's I a must do? That, sure. Your, your relationships, your, I'm going to go one step further, your strategic, your intentional, I would submit your quantifiable relationships are your biggest assets. They're beyond your educational foundation, beyond your professional pedigree, the relationships you choose to invest in will definitively set you apart from not just your competitive peers, but really help you overcome either a professional slump or if you're doing well today and you want to reach a new height, those relationships are your ticket. They are your rocket boosters. They are your Falcon Heavy 9 to get you into orbit and, and, and help all of us reach a previously unimaginable new heights. You just have to become more intentional in the relationships you choose to invest in. And those we choose to exit. You're exactly right. So, so you're going to have to, I, I love the analogy of you better be prepared to kill uh, you know, 999 flowers to grow one oak tree. 
You're exactly right. So I've always believed uh, you have to kill 999 flowers to to really grow one oak tree. And and if you really want to nurture anything, you have to be willing to prune some things. Unfortunately, some relationships kind of work through their, I don't want to say usefulness, I don't want to say, but you, you part, you go in different directions, right? You know, think of the high school friends, you know, very few of us have stayed in touch with because your lives evolve. But same thing personally and professionally. So exactly right. You have to be able to spring clean. So I, I'm still polite. I'm still nice. I still take the high road. I, you know, I just deprioritize some so I can really get a chance to prioritize others uh, and, and really invest, invest in, in the ones that are, that are relevant. Beautiful. So, so I'm going to give a bit of a summary. So for most people and businesses, growth is linear, but some relationships can dramatically change our direction and ultimate destination. So those are the curve benders that we've been talking about. Those are forces that will dramatically impact the way we work, the way we live, the way we play, the way we give. And the research and findings of curve benders can guide leaders to build relationships and also to become curve benders. So, David, tell our listeners how they reach you and how they get your books. Sure. So the easiest would be our website, which is just norgroup, N-O-U-R, group.com is the best place. There's blog, there's podcasts, there's all kinds of online resources, and they'll see right on the homepage information on uh, how to pre-order the curve benders book as well. So I encourage our listeners to take action, to take inventory of those key relationships, see where you may have a gap that you want to build on, and listen to David's podcast by his book. Thank you for joining Innovative Leadership, co-creating your future, our future, especially at such a um, disruptive time in our world you as leaders are so critical to the quality of experiences we all have in the world so i thank you for listening i encourage you to continue listening to continue taking action and to share this information with colleagues who you think would benefit because they are committed to becoming better leaders please listen to an upcoming show connect with me on linkedin or facebook like our show, but most of all, continue to invest in your leadership. Thank you for the impact you are making in our world at this very important and difficult time. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.